two attitudes about our behavior and what that brings into our lives. Now there is a certain ring of truth to it. But then there are the mercies of God that protect us and keep us uh, in a place where we can recover. Because God has promised us certain protections. He's promised us we have a covenant with him uh, that he will help us. He will rescue us. He will come for us. And he didn't say if you're totally innocent did he that's not a qualification he just said he'd do it right amen 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 psalms 46 1 says he is a very present help in trouble so he's with you in your trouble he's there already anyway he knows you're going to get in trouble before you get in trouble the Bible says he knows an end of a thing at the beginning of it. He knows when the enemy's going to uh, try to set a snare for you. He knows when the enemy is going to set a trap for you. He knows all of these things. And he has made provision for those. But they require our reaching out to him. Now, he's not going to just automatically. Now there's some th- sovereign things that God will do. But pretty much he has to know what's going on. For instance when your children were little kids and you sent them off to school you assumed everything went well until they brought that report card home or until they came home crying talking about the kid that picked on them or something like that so you assume everything is going well until you hear otherwise God doesn't assume everything is going well all the time he knows what's going to go on but he has to be made aware of your need that's the law of faith God cannot move until we give him permission to move you know he gives us a will he gives us faith he gives us those tools because they are necessary for us to use to get our lives in order while we're here so we have to obey certain laws you know the bible says that god knows what we have need of before we ask and theologians have asked this question for centuries well why do we have to ask and the Bible is, is real plain in the word of God if you look at it. The Bible says who, who will tell God to ascend up to go and get something for us or go down. He said but what does faith say? It's the word of faith that's in your mouth and in your heart. What's in your mouth and your heart? Well speak that out and then God will be on the scene. He doesn't have to go anywhere to do anything for you. It will come to you by the expression of your faith. That's why we teach faith. That's why we read the Bible. We do that so that we can have a good life by living it under God's rules. God has rules he will not violate. If you're looking for God to move sovereignly all the time, uh, you're going to be in bad shape. Because some of the things he has for us we don't want. Then we want to sit on our hands and not do anything, expect him to come and do everything for us. We don't want most of what he, most of us in the word, we fight against it until we can't do any better. And then we say, oh, well, God, maybe I just have to go on. I'm going to just go on, give in, do it your way, you know, that kind of thing. And so uh, God knows us. He knows what he's up against and he still loves us and gives a plan for our lives. He has a plan of success for everybody's life. I mean everybody. 
He's no respecter of persons. So what makes the difference between our success and our defeat is how we uh, conduct ourselves in life but also under times of distress times when you know when everything's going well you feel like you barely need faith you know you can just live off of what you've got stored up from the faith you used the last battle you were in you got me and so we kind of feel and with but when the bible says the just shall live by faith we're supposed to live by faith every day see there's got to be an expression of faith in god just for normal and when i say just live by faith i mean simply this when you get up in the morning father i thank you for another day of promise in you i thank you you're a good god you kept me through the night and you have a great day planned for me and i release this day that's faith i release this day to you because it is full of your promises full of your word if there are things that you're expecting god to do god i thank you that i I have received my healing and i thank you lord that i am healed i don't care what you feel like in your body you tell him you're healed you agree with his word that's the law of faith so justified people live like that every day every day we live by faith in what God has told us whether we see it or not. Whether we feel it or not, we live by faith. Amen. And so we must respect the laws of faith. And Jesus would have people come up to him uh, when he would be conducting his meetings and with obvious ailments. Bartimaeus came up to him and he was blind. Hmm? It wasn't because he threw off his beggar's robe that he might have looked like he got sight all of a sudden. You know what I'm saying. I mean that man was blind. Everybody knew he was blind. But when he came up to Jesus, Jesus said, what can I do for you? See, we would think it's obvious, right? But if you don't request it, the door of faith is never opened and there's no, no pathway made for that blessing to come into your life faith opens the door for what it is that you're requesting if you do not request it there is no door open many people interpret that word pray request as demand and it's not like you're putting your foot down like God doesn't want to do it but demand really means there is it it puts you puts you in the mind of something this is the image it should portray to you it's something that you know will come to you without fail see when you put a demand out there that means that you have expressed faith that you know it's going to happen see that's different than an iffy request or a you ain't sure request or if it be that will request faith will put a demand it's like the woman with the issue of blood she demanded her healing from jesus even though she didn't go up to him and ask him she knew by the spirit of faith that if she would touch see the spirit of faith teaches us these things all the time always encouraging us and coaxing us by the Holy Ghost in you your spirit man is being coached and counseled how to receive what God has promised you that's what the spirit of faith does and that's what he did to that lady he told she the Bible says she said within herself 
she would this is it, and she'd been talking inside herself a lot of years when she was going to doctors this time she said something different inside herself probably she said about doctors if i let me see if i got some more money i can go to another doctor and get a second opinion you didn't had 18 every year you get a different opinion you got me and but somehow inside of her that command changed she said in herself if i can touch his garment i will be made whole see there's a change up in there when the spirit of faith begins to talk to you faith in god amen and so this the spirit of faith will will counsel us and help us through these difficult times but faith must be expressed if we expect god to work faith really means speaking in god's language you know if you if you ask god for something and act as though it hasn't happened you got to put a date on it okay. but if you if you say you receive it already as though it's already done the date's already set it's any time see what i'm saying already done and you'll receive it at any time and so it's important for us to understand God's language and talk to him in his language this is real important and so when we uh, talk about trusting God in battle uh, we have to speak his language under uh, tense circumstances I would say or other extreme circumstances or uncomfortable circumstances the enemy likes to get us challenged excuse me so that he can steal our faith he likes to get us under pressure so that we can uh, either shut down not say anything or not say say things it out of fear uh, out of the flesh you know everybody likes to prophesy well, then when things go wrong I knew that was going to happen well God never told you that not and just let it happen and God's going to tell you something in advance he warns you and gives you a remedy for it because there's all kinds of scripture that says he's going to take care of you that the wicked will never prosper over the righteous amen and so uh, you know you can you can pull that into your life at any time but the enemy likes to catch you off guard to see if he can catch you and trap you in unbelief or fear or doubt and I'm telling you that you can cry out to God in ahead of time, in the midst of, you can cry to God any time in faith, and God will hear you and he will come for you. So when trouble strikes, how do we react? How do you react when trouble comes? Many times people, I tell you, it depends on your mindset. If your mind is set on peace and you are trusting God, from day to day from hour to hour your reaction will coincide with what you believe and people hate trouble so much sometimes the first thing they blurt out of their mouth is something that causes the trouble to remain they'll they'll speak of it 
well, look at this and look at that. And, you know, I have somebody that I pray with regularly and they have a hard time because their mind isn't really renewed to the things of God. I've been a Christian for a long time. But if you're taught in a rote memory kind of um, mentality and you never experience the renewal, you know, where your mind doesn't even go there anymore, it goes on to the Word of God. You know, you won't blurt out something that causes that thing to stay there and then you wonder why it hasn't moved yet. You know, the Holy Spirit will teach you and alert you. You know, the best thing to do when trouble comes is keep your mouth shut. You know, until you can get something wonderful to say. And if wonderful don't come, just don't say anything. Man, you know, there there have been times when, uh, you know, I've been praying about things or thinking about things. And, and God doesn't give me a rhema word revelation. I'll speak his word back to him. You see what I'm saying? That's all you have to say is, you know, when... when uh, uh, fear comes wants to strike your heart God you didn't give me this spirit you know and, and even though you don't have an answer to the problem you got an answer to the devil that's trying to cause you more trouble it's bad enough to have trouble but then when you add fear to it you know it's like God is far from you and so we have to at least have our minds renewed enough to know to hold our peace that means don't let peace now you got enough bad news and if you add to it words that push your peace away from you so you don't have your anchor in God then you're you're compounding the problem prolonging the problem uh, making the problem you know uh, bigger than really what it is and some people it takes a long time to get them settled back down where they can hear God's word and listen and, and say, Now God you have a solution for me. You had a solution before this problem came. I'm going to keep my peace so that I can hear you. God doesn't talk to you when you're wound up. Did you know that? Oh, You need to know that. Because the Bible says that peace is his bond. You got me? That means when you have peace about something, God's bound into it with you. You know, peace is, you know what a bond is? Anybody that got them renegade relatives that stay in jail? A bond is a security for that person showing up back in court again. God gives you peace as a surety that he's going to show up and fix this problem even if it's not fixed right now. Huh? That's why the Bible says if you if you have a need let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving and supplication just pour your heart out do it in faith and it says in the peace of God it didn't say he was going to correct that problem today. Barb, don't say that hurts. Don't care. What do you say? He give you a piece of fruit, huh? You wanted candy, but you get fruit, huh? You want a steak, but you get fruit. That's all you need. God gives you what you need. If you had answers immediately, you'd stay in trouble. So He gives you peace. 
and that's his bond well god you you settled me down about this you shook we shook hands over this that's really what me but surety means that somebody has shook your hand on it i got this i'm gonna do it for you and you it settles you out and gives you a peace that people will look at you and say well dang you know so and so they got this problem that problem how they stay so you need to tell them you ain't seen nothing yet (laughs) you know the devil will come and try god will help you out and the devil will come and try to undo it with somebody that's going to flatter you and make you think it's you. <laughs> uh-huh. So so what is crying out in the midst of battle? What does that mean? You have to cry out to God. Well it has to do with uh, uh, allowing yourself the humility to expect God to help you. Allow yourself the humility to expect God to help you. God resists the proud. What does he do? His grace to the grace is the uh, you know favor that you get that you don't have to work for. It's, it's something you don't have to work for. He just decides to help you out and he does it. Now many times when we, we get in trouble we think we're in a, a regular court of law. Like you got to prove who's right and who's wrong. No, and, and many times the devil will condemn you. You ever see anybody that, that uh, you know, I used to know some little kids like this. They stir up trouble all the time, pick at you and get you to fight somebody and then look at you and say, well, I told you you shouldn't mess with me. You know what I'm saying? They just gloat, gloat, gloat all the time. Well, that's the devil. He sets stuff up for us to fall into a snare and then when we fall into it, he picks at us because we were foolish enough to believe him and fall into the snare. Uh-huh. Well, you never should have done that. You know, you need to look at you now. You ain't got in all this trouble. And I tried to tell you, you shouldn't do this and do that and do the other. And we do that to ourselves many times. First thing we want to do is exonerate ourselves in trouble. Well, you know, God, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't know the gun was loaded. (laughs) So sorry, my dear. You know, them old kind of moaning songs where we try to acquit ourselves. Huh? It's true. Got no business pointing a gun whether loaded or not. You got no business pointing at anybody. And so we, we, we always want... We have this warped idea that God only helps perfect people. And if, if, if we don't think like that, why are we so busy trying to make sure we didn't do anything wrong to get us there? And if we find we did, then we're slow to get God involved in helping us. You'll go three months trying to make your mind accept that you didn't do anything wrong. Uh, and you know you did wrong. Well, shouldn't have done it. But you did it anyway. Well, I wouldn't have done it, Lord, if the devil hadn't pushed me. Well, he knows that, but that's not going to wait. See, your excuses won't make the trouble go away. 
And so God's trying to get us to the point where he can help us make the trouble go away. But we're so busy trying to quit ourselves. And, uh, you know, you, people mess up all the time. They get mad at you if you tell them, well, you need to repent about that. <sighs> Me? I don't know. Yeah, you. If you want out of trouble, that's the only way I, reason, way I know out of trouble. It's the blood. You plead the blood. How do you think you plead the blood? You got to confess you're wrong. Uh, This wasn't right. I didn't do that right. How could doing so much right turn out so wrong? Got me? And so there, you know, there, and then there are times where you're doing the best you can and God and trouble happens anyway. You know, you can't locate anything really wrong that you did or whatever. You know, it's just going to happen to us. And I, I'm here to tell you that when it does happen, crying out to God should be the first order of business. Don't delay crying out to God in the midst of the battle and expecting Him to help you. That's the other part. You know, if you sit up condemning yourself because you think you can't ever do anything wrong and God still help you if you condemn yourself about that, you won't be expecting help to come. you just be sitting there trying to take your lumps and get punished by the devil. Huh? If you ever want to make a mother mad, you pick on her kid. You know, when the kid ain't ain't done nothing wrong. Or sometimes when they wrong, they go to bat for you. (laughs) Tear your house up, look for you for 10 years. (laughs) Serve papers on you. It's true. And, And God defends us the same way. He, The Bible says he knows our frame. He knows we're just dust. And, you know, many times we're doing the best we can sometimes we're not doing as much as we could but he's still God he still loves us he's still his child he's still going to help you amen so he is a very present help in trouble he's present there with us even though we are in trouble now why do he let us get in trouble I don't know you know, we keep going backwards, trying to blame. Now you want to blame God on, on the fact that he didn't warn you already in his word that you're going to have your share of trouble down here. I think trouble comes dependent upon your movements, the direction you're trying to get to. Sometimes trouble comes because you're doing well and the devil's just mad and don't want to see you do any better. You can be making good progress in God and all of a sudden up out of nowhere, you know, trouble comes. And so we have to learn how to not use our faith for trouble. But when it comes, know that God is present with you and there is a way out. Amen. He will come and help us. He promises to deliver us. Amen. He promises to deliver us. Psalm 46. Let me look at that real quick. Cause I'm. Oh no, 55. Psalm 55, and verse 22. He says, "Cast your burden upon the Lord; He will sustain you." Means He'll hold you up. He will never allow the righteous to be moved. Move from what? From where he put you that was prosperous and good for you. 
you know, and that gives you a good indication of what the enemy's up to. He's trying to move you off of your position, trying to keep you from believing God, try to keep you from going out winning souls, try to keep you from advancing. God says he won't allow you to be moved. Verse 23 says, But thou, O God, shall bring them down into a pit of destruction. That's your enemy. Bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. He said, But I will trust in you. I'm not going their way. Amen. I'm not going their way. Amen. Verse 17, if you look up there, uh, verse 16, he says, As for me, I'm going to call upon the Lord. And the Lord shall save me. Hello. I'll call upon him. Why? To save you. Not to give you a lecture. Or tell you, oh, don't worry about it. I know you didn't mean it. No. He'll pluck you out of there. He will save you. He puts forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. Amen. He has broken. He had broken. I'm sorry. God. Verse 18. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. He'll deliver you in peace. For there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them. Even he that abides of old. Because they have no changes, they don't. They're, therefore, they don't fear God. There's some people, you know, they just go on doing wicked, 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 almost forever. They don't fear God, and then all of a sudden, God stretches out His hand against them to show them, "I'm here." Did it to Pharaoh. He does it to all people who disrespect Him persecute his people try and stop you know these people who are going around suing God's people for not wanting to put uh, same sex people on a cake them people is in big trouble I got news for you if they don't repent them people is in big trouble because God is not he didn't create this this earth for wicked to advance on it forever he, he created this earth for righteousness to prevail know where people get that nonsense from just because you haven't seen him do anything yet it don't mean he won't and it don't mean he can't it don't mean he's going to put up with your nonsense forever so instead of seeking to clear yourself from blame or responsibility I mean the house is on fire why are you trying to uh, (laughs) prosecute your case you know what I'm saying I mean defend yourself in that way the house is on fire you need to get out you need to cry to get out of the burning house if the reason for your trouble dominates your thinking you won't expect God's help you have to get in a mindset of faith. You have to get in a humble mindset. Pride is dominating your thoughts if the reason why you're in trouble is that important to you. You're trying to clear yourself when you have no ability to do that. You have no ability to do that. God is a God of mercy and he will allow us to repent. And that means to wholeheartedly repent. 
you know throw yourself on God's mercy you know God I was doing my best but I see it didn't work out you know and he knows that God please forgive me if there was another answer and I didn't wait for it and, and get better understanding please forgive me you know and stay humble to the Lord the Bible says if you humble yourself to him he will exalt you in due season well suppose he don't exalt you just stay humble I mean that's what I would do why are you looking to, to be exalted so fast just stay humble that's, this is the life we're to, we're to live is a humble life not an exalted life you don't need that you can encourage yourself in your own spirit you don't need people you know you know when I mean all that kind of stuff exaltation now God will exalt you above your enemies he'll get you out of trouble and he'll fix that for you and so just allow yourself to stay put until God's deliverance comes amen he will deliver you he will deliver you from trouble and he will save you and answer your prayers so uh, you don't have to please don't let the reason for trouble don't let reasoning dominate your thinking when you know you need God's help cry out to God he is a God of mercy he readily allows us to repent John the Baptist and God knows when you're really repenting and when you just talk it you know <laughs> John the Baptist all these people coming to his meetings you know now see if you were the type typical preacher that we have in the world now you'd have been excited because of the size of the crowd and not even thought about what was on John the Baptist looked out there he said oh yo sneaky snakes y'all yo vipers sitting out there who told you to come and get some fire insurance he said, you got to show me you sorry for your sins. Amen. He said, show me some fruits that say you repent. Just be walking around. Oh, I'm sorry and keep doing the same. That ain't repentance. Come on now. God teaches us we can do better than that. What good is forgiveness if you keep doing the same offense over and over again? You know, there's something you need to get get with God in your heart. Say, God, please help me not to keep doing. I don't feel good when I do this stuff. I, I I would rather be this kind of person that I see in your Word. You know, that kind of stuff. Help me with that, and God will certainly help you. Amen. So Psalms fifty five twenty two says he will not allow the righteous to be moved. I think we just read that. He will establish the border of the righteous or the property of the righteous. He won't let your property be taken from you. Amen. He won't. He'll he'll establish your border. Don't ever give up on you know, I see people waiting for foreclosure. If you keep standing, you never know what God will do. Amen. You keep siding with the creditors and all them people, they don't know anything about the kingdom of God. They just deal with what they know about. You got me? You know, banks will foreclose on houses and let them stay vacant, take them away from people they could probably help to hold on to them, and let them stay vacant. And, you know, they deteriorate. You know, property will fall apart from lack of use. And so they'll they'll let those kinds of things happen. I was uh, looking at, a, 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 you know, when these flip shows, house flip things and uh, uh there was a, a man who was a physician and he was single and he had bought this very very elaborate home and 
California, Hollywood around LA or something like that. And uh, he got killed in a traffic accident one night. And his family never decided to come and take possession of the house that had stayed empty for a very long time. I think he did have a few relatives that could have claimed it. But by the time, uh, you know, somebody decided to put it up for sale and they made an offer there were raccoons infested in it they had gotten all into the the uh, the uh, timbers in the house the, the inner structure of it it did so much damage from just being empty you got me and you know that's I think that's what happens to a lot of houses housing here and in around the city that we see after it's been empty for so long it takes so much money to restore it you know because uh, property is better if it's taken care of and people live in it you know who's going to live in a an empty house and what's going to happen well some animals will move into it somebody will find <laughs> they say oh free rent he done moved out oh okay well we'll just go in there and, and wreck things and so we have to uh, understand these things you know and I think God would rather see you hold on to it than to see it just go unused and sit there and nobody has you know that's what happens when the devil gets involved in stuff he makes it so nobody can enjoy it you know he's the original party spoiler huh when we were kids growing up there was a kid uh oh trying to think how he's related to to Gigi her um, it would have been her husband's cousin one of his cousins John Willis whenever you would mention his name everybody said oh lord not John Willis John Willis would get some some cheap wine and come around people and oh boy he was loud he was uh, you had to wind up calling the police and all this kind of crazy stuff it's just like the devil he's the original party spoiler you just can't have peace for that rascal and so God knows what he has to do to get rid of uh, the enemy in our lives you know he likes to disturb our peace he always wants and he makes trouble bigger than what it actually is he loves to uh, uh, over over embellish on it make it uh, look more threatening be louder stronger all that kind of stuff he always announces himself real big against the saints and if that's all we ever see if we never see that God God is right there with us to save us from our trouble and deliver us. Amen. Then, amen. Then we won't be able to get the benefit of what God has for us. So, in uh, I think it's Second Chronicles fourteen. I keep putting a one up here. Second Chronicles fourteen. Uh, we have a story here about King Asa, and I'm trying to think who his how far he was from David and Solomon I'm thinking probably about the 7th or 8th generation from uh, uh, from King Solomon and uh, you know whenever you read the Chronicles you, it starts out and so and so became king and he did evil in the sight of the Lord or is that he did good in the sight of the Lord you know it gives you already what what they come in there with and so uh, we need to always be doing good in the sight of the Lord you know because uh, it's just we want to have that report 
even some that did evil in the sight of the Lord or made mistakes if they would repent you would see God in it, come in and rescue them and help them you got me even though he knew they'd go right back and do the same thing over again that does not stop God from helping us that ought to be a, a, a reason to rejoice for all of us God, God, look at all them. Look at David. And look at Moses. And look at all them. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, you're a loving and forgiving God. Amen. So I think I'll repent and I'll get myself straight with you, and we get straightened out on that. You teach me how to do things your way. And so in Second Chronicles 14, it says verse one, uh, um, verse two. It says that. Um, Asa did which was which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He took away the altars of the strange gods, and the high places broke down the images, cut down the groves. You know, you can, and I've seen this with people who get saved, get born again. They'll make some changes, but not all. You see what I'm saying? Is do a little bit but not the whole nine yards it's something about humans they feel vulnerable helpless out of sorts something if they we don't like to give till it hurts let me put it to you that way we don't like to feel what we let go of we want to give enough to make us feel like we're doing something, but it's not enough to impress God. See, this is, this is the thing. And so Asa knew that if he was going to get God's favor and have God's blessing, he had to get rid of every single trace of idol worship, every snare that would be set up, where the enemy could get back involved in the life of the nation of Israel. He was a leader. He was their king. He had known enough of the history of prior kings. Uh, you know, when, when you're growing up as royalty, you know, they, had, they kept the chronicles of the kings. And they were read to, uh, really should have been read to all of Israel. But I know especially were read to the uh, uh, royal family. Uh, so that they would have an understanding of who they were, uh, what their duties were. It said that was part of their training, and so uh, he understood what what was was necessary. High places are personal things that we are devoted to. So the high places, and you know, like there was temple worship. Uh, if you were ashamed to go and worship Baal in his temple, they would let you put a little high place somewhere off by itself so you can go there and have your little private devotion to him uh, and, and not go public with it. So he got rid of those. And uh, in our in our dispensation of the New Testament, that means we give up our old lives. See, our high places are things that we desire in the natural, things we aspire to, things we uh, don't think that because you're not a preacher, you know, quote unquote preacher, uh, that you don't have to give up your old life. 
there's a lot in your old life uh, that you can give up. Sometimes people think that that the career that they're working in uh, is okay. God doesn't care one way or the other what you do for a living. Well, I wanted to be a lawyer all my life, and I'm going to law school. Suppose that really ain't what he. You know, we don't know where these ideas come from that we get sometimes. And sometimes they can be plans of the enemy to divert us from the main road of what God wants us to do. You see people in entertainment, they're so sure God wants them to keep singing, you know, and, and, uh, you know, whatever they do. I'm not saying it's all bad. But if it's leading you away from relationship intimacy the will of God or if you never ask God some people are too scared to ask God what did you put me here for can you answer me that Uh, and they just drift through life picking up one thing or one idea or the other and and that and so those are high places those are things that are near and dear to us that we don't want to let go of so If we will turn away from those things that God God tells us to do that. He tells us to come out from among them. Separate ourselves. So that's what cutting down every crutch that the children of Israel leaned on. That would make them depend on another God instead of one true God. He just cut it all out from under them. So you can't do that anymore. People who are, are... Christians sometimes think that it's okay with God for us to hang on to a little bit of sin or a little bit of carnality a while. What for? What are you nursing that bottle for? Huh? Like God weans you off of sin. I don't see anything in the Bible about weaning you off. You'll never get tired of it. Huh? I remember Joyce Meyer told a testimony about Dave. You know, he said, well, Dave, he just felt all the babies should take that bottle out. Shouldn't have to sleep with the bottle every night, you know, to go to bed. She said, at nine months, he took it away from all of them. Made Dave sound like a mean man. (laughs) But, you know, pediatricians, pediatric dentists will tell you uh, when children start, when they start, teeth start coming in, you know, that milk, you know, just have milk oozing in their mouth all the time or you know whatever going to bed like that uh, will cause great damage to their teeth and they start to have cavities and stuff very very early there's some truth to that amen and so sometimes these things may seem harsh and seem cruel because uh, and I think really bedtime bottles and pacifiers sometimes get to be more for the parents than they are you don't have to hear that baby hollering all night long you know so sometimes we don't do so much what's good for them we do what's good for us and think we doing it for them so there's no such thing so king asa knew it he said if we don't get rid of this stuff we won't be pleasing to god so just get rid of it and start worshiping the one true and living god you replace it with the real thing you replace it with what God has for you. You don't need to wean people. Well, I take away the growth, but I leave the hive. No, you're not going to do nothing today. He took away the images. He took away everything that would remind them of the foreign gods and that would connect them to the sinners and the heathens that live next door to them. Now you tell that to people in churches now that like to wear these tights. I could burn them all. 
you know I mean they're cute to a degree but you know if you got to look at somebody's derriere all the time and looks like a second skin uh, if you're a Christian to me that's not modest dress you know what you have in mind when you put that stuff on you want to be looked at you got me learn how to be invisible well that went over real big I don't care but we have guidelines for how we are to present ourselves <laughs> see we we have when you when and I'm not talking about you know I think modesty is the for a woman it comes below her what everybody wants to look at and what sometimes insecure women want to look at but think about it this way if you're a married woman and you have your husband and your young sons in a church setting you're trusting God to bring your family in there and then you got some chick that wants to be looked at and she won't conform you see what I'm saying so some people who walk, take their families and walk out of churches for certain reasons, they have a right to do so sometimes. But if we keep modesty as a standard, what we're saying is, I am respecting your your husband and your young boys. For a man, it would be, I'm respecting your girls, and I'm not trying to draw attention to myself in an ungodly way. You got me? So I'm safe to be around. That's what modest apparel means. It says, I am safe to be around. That's all it means. So let's just get it, don't get it twisted, folks. And then some people, well, I got, I got it right the way I want. Oh, oh, oh. Huh? You have no such right. You have no such right. By the same token, if you're a godly man, you keep your eyeballs in your head. Understand what I'm saying? You don't don't look at a woman that, like Job said. He said, "I made a covenant with my eyes." Hmm? So let's all, you know, get the right mindset, and we can grow in God. We're here to grow in God, not to grow in ungodliness. Amen. So really, when he talked about cutting down these images it says he took away the altars verse 3 of strange gods the high places broke down the images he got every scrap of ungodliness from before the eyes of God's people and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandments so you take away the filth and ungodliness and you replace it with godliness see this isn't religion this is relationship so in the place of that worldly music I used to listen to I listened to worship music he didn't say you couldn't have any music but don't bring the world in there what kind of atmosphere do you keep in your home you understand what I'm saying? Do you keep a godly atmosphere where God is welcome there at all times, or do you mix it up a little bit? <laughs> my, my jams, my mix. Huh? What kind of movies do you watch? I'm serious. You know, you just come on. You you don't need that. Have you ever just tried God straight no chaser? Just straight up God. Nothing to soothe your flesh with. 
and remind you, <laughs> I can do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to be careful how we hear. Sometimes you hear with carnal ears. You'll hear somebody uh, just give a testimony and they, they were watching a movie that maybe wasn't so wholesome. The first thing you do want to run out and do it. Well, you listen the wrong way. You got me? They weren't selling some crazy movie. But some people are quick to grab that carnality. And because you know another believer who says they did it, you think it's okay to do. You got me? It's wrong. Something's warped in that way of thinking. So you say, well, that's what it means when he said he cut down all of that. He stopped everything. And he commanded Judah to seek the Lord and do the law and the commandments. And he also took away out of all the cities of Judah, the high places. I mean, he cleaned house from one end of that nation to the next. He didn't leave a speck of it. In verse 6 it says, he built fenced cities. See, after you clear clean out, you build a wall against it. You put the word in there. You let the word start filling up your mind and your heart and live that rich life of faith in God and just believing his word and having the word close to you. And the land had rest. That means that there was no war. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. He would have rest on every side. Amen. Walls are necessary to keep the enemy out. Once you clean it out, you got to build a wall so he don't get back in there again. Because he's sneaky and he's sly and he's conniving. And he will do anything to get back in our lives again. So we have to make sure that we build a defense against it. We build an immunity against uh, uh, going back. See, the wall keeps you from going back. When when God brought Israel out of Egypt, He parted the Red Sea, but He didn't leave it parted. Or guess what? Something else, somebody would have went back the next day. Oh, we don't like it up in here. Oh, this is real cheap up in here. This ghetto around here, you know, this ain't for us. So he closed it back up again. And just to show him how really deep it was, he let a lot of the enemy drown in it. He said, now if you want that to happen to you, you try it. So God makes a clear way for us to stay holy, live holy, stay righteous, live righteous. He does. (laughs) We're holy because Christ lives in us, not because of what we don't do anymore. That's your holiness right there. Just obey him. And you'll maintain it. So when evil leaves, everything's quiet and peaceful. The Bible says he had quiet and peace and rest on every side, no war. Verse 6, he said he built fenced cities. He's a smart man. He says, if I don't put a barrier between God's people and the rest of the world, somebody's going to start mixing in again. So you want to keep separated. Amen. So he built cities with walls. 
walls are necessary to keep the enemy out this is just common sense keep foreigners out keep people out that you don't who aren't uh, don't have an allegiance to your country and don't have an allegiance to what you're doing you don't know why people are coming in if they're not they don't uh, have to check in and a wall doesn't stop them we have walls within us you know we have walls we have a plumb line that won't allow the enemy to advance in our hearts man we should draw one when you meditate on the word and you embrace that word that's what you live by and that builds a defense against the enemy coming in you telling you some okadoke okay we have walls of discipline that keep us in the will of God man so there are walls of discipline that keep us in the will of God we have walls of refusal where we refuse to give in to temptation amen though he slay me yet will I trust in him he will not allow the righteous to be moved that means you won't move through temptation got me walls of dedication and devotion to God you know there's some things I just won't do you know I draw a line I'm not going to step over that line don't blur it and, and run back and forth well you might run out from under that wall one time then be closed up you can't get back over again you keep running back and forth <laughs> see what you get so, so there are walls of uh, devotion and dedication to God that you you just refuse to come down from you refuse to come down from those walls fortify our cities and walls man that means to store up the word in your heart for your defense against the enemy the bible says thy word have i hid in my heart so i don't sin against you that's your wall that's your defense and that's your protection you store up that word in your heart and you won't hardly be moved to no i can't do that <laughs> no we ain't going there do i ain't going there i don't do that don't go there man we have to understand that when walls are set and set by the word of god that's the best kind of wall to set on the inside of you you know is to just let god's word dwell in there and you'll be able to do the will of god and not be moved amen not be moved by it we also have walls of watching and praying you know your watch and your prayer is a wall against the advancement of the enemy into your prayer life or into the things that you have authority over things that you're watching over things that you're you're uh, wanting to see come to pass over all your promises and stuff you build a wall of watching and praying over those things so that when something some movement happens or something happens to maybe disturb the direction one way or another you go into prayer and that's your defense against that so you can you can build a wall of prayer that will guard against uh, what it guards what's within and it guards against what's without. A wall will do both functions. So it'll keep the people inside secure or keep your heart secure, and then it will be a deterrent to the enemy trying to break through that and get inside of it. Amen. There's some people that just really don't get messed with too much as long as they uh, keep up that wall of prayer. 
You got me? Now, that is not to say that you'll be trouble free. Don't get me wrong. But but there are some things that the enemy knows that you're quick to guard over, and and he's you know he said well I'll, you know he's looking for a crack in the wall, and he look at that and he said well that's pretty much shored up right there. Maybe I'll get over here where I can see a little weakness or something and come in that way. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts with all diligence. Whatever you do, guard your heart. Don't let the enemy set up court in there. You know, and you'll get offended regularly. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll think, what am, what am I? You know, do I look like a doormat to people? But then God will call you to help somebody else again. You know what I'm saying? Same old thing. The same thing happens. I got news for you. People who need help often are not very appreciative. I found that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we all have. If you haven't, you will. Huh? They just you don't. They're prideful sometimes. They would, you know, they make their mouth bleed before they speak a word of thanks or encouragement to you. You got me? It's just the way people are. But that their response to your kindness is not the motivation for what you do. Your heart is motivated to do do good for people. Amen? Your heart is motivated to do good. <clears throat> so in verse 7 he says, Therefore he said to Judah, let's build these cities. Let's make them walls and towers and gates. And by me he was laying it out. He said, I want the people of God protected. That's what we do with our word and our prayer. And, you know, when you come out to pray and you pray the word, you, you're building that wall. You're building around the city, around the people, around your family, around everything that you pray for. You're setting bricks in that wall. And he says, and do it while the land is yet before us. In other words, while we ain't got no fighting going on. People get idle sometimes, you know. Now, some people, if there's no trouble, they want to go have a party somewhere. Huh? Let's go borrow some money, go on vacation, let's go instead of building while you have the devil ain't bothering you. See, that's your time to build. You're not there to tie one on every time you get a, a mind to. You know, I got news for you. He's. <laughs> This a, we're in a war, folks. Have you not noticed? So it's good to build while you're, you know, while there's peace around you. Study and meditate. Devote yourself to prayer and meditation on the Word more. When you're busy and you got a job and you got responsibilities, you didn't have all that time to do that. Now that you have time, do it. You got me? <laughs> I knew people forever. Oh, I'd be so glad when I give her this job. I'm going to do this and everything and everything. Right. No, do none of it. Most people don't do it. How do I know that? If you were so hot to do that, you'd have done it while you were working. See, job is not a hindrance to you obeying God. He got you that job. And he expects you to do everything. Amen. Oh, I don't have time. I got so much to do. You'll have to make time one day. Trust me, you will. You will have to. God would rather have you build while there's peace. Hmm? So he's laying it out. He said, we're going to build it so high. We're going to put gates around it and a moat and some alligators and some crocodiles and your fitches. 
you know whatever you want to put in there he's laying it out for protection so he says while we don't have anybody fighting us and picking at us while there's peace let's shore up some more let's put some more word inside of us let's get some more prayer going let's do some more things and he says because we have sought the Lord our God we have sought him and he has given us rest on every side I give you a hint how to get the enemy out of your life just seek him seek him and keep seeking him Asa said we sought him this way and found him we sought him some more and found him some more verse 8 Asa had an army of men that bore targets and spears out of Judah so he got got fortified fortified the land and then began to fortify the people build the people up train them get a mighty army going on I was listening to some reports about the condition of our armed forces. It's deplorable. They siphon money off the military. Don't take care of them when they get home. I thank God for wounded warriors. I thank God this ministry gives to them. Because people always need additional help. But our government needs to do their part. Take care of people. Good gravy. I look at that soldier. I said he went in my place. He spared me from having to go. Or she spared when in my place. They spared me from having to go and fight myself. So he had an army of men that were skilled. They had targets and spears out of Judah. 300,000. And out of Benjamin that bore shields. Drew bows. 284,000. All of these were mighty men of valor. Now when you talk about mighty men. If you look at... um, I think it's in the book of Kings where it talked about it might be here in Chronicles too because they list all of the families and all of the but when they talk about mighty men of valor these were men that one man killed a thousand men at one in one battle you understand that's mighty men of valor under God's power see that's why the Bible says one of us can chase a thousand two of us can put 10,000 to flight this ain't no shabby army and they there came out against them Zira the Ethiopian see now listen from verse 1 through 9 they ain't doing nothing wrong right obeying God cut down the groves did everything right all of a sudden somebody jumps them so why are we always trying to figure out what we did wrong with something? <laughs> you know, I said, oh, huh? Asa had no such thing. He said, I know we've done as much as we can to serve God. We're, we're faithful. We tore down God. If we need to build some more, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Just be willing to do the more that you have to do if you have to do it. But he had, he had no such conversation with himself. And out of nowhere... This this warrior pops up and he had a host of a hundred of a thousand thousand. So that's a million. A thousand times a thousand. That's six that's seven zeros. Well that's seven figures. So he had a million. They're a little short. See he knows he's got about six hundred thousand, but he don't have a million. The devil watches us, folks. To see what kind of plot to plot against us. He wants it to look bigger than what it is. Always wants it to be bigger. 
Verse 10, Asa didn't shrink. Why? The righteous are as bold as a lion. You have nothing to shrink back for when God is your God. Remember the battle of Ai? Joshua was their commander. And they went out to battle and assumed it was going to be just like it had been before. They made a couple mistakes. Number one, they didn't inquire of the Lord. Jumped up and assumed this one was going to be just like the last one. If they had inquired of the Lord, they would have knew there was somebody in sin in their camp. Got me? Always good to inquire of the Lord before you jump up and jump out. Says Asa went against him, verse ten, and they set the battle in array in the valley, valley of Zephath and uh, Marashah, and Asa cried unto the Lord. He went down to confront the enemy and cried unto the Lord. Why didn't he ask God before he went? He probably had an okay, had peace to go forward. But when he saw what was up against him, he cried unto the Lord and said, God, it's nothing. This ain't hard for you, God. It's nothing for you to help. Whether with many or with them that have no power. So God, you can help us if we don't know how to fight. You can help us if we're skilled. It's nothing for you to help. So we need your help whether we, we have reason to be confident in ourselves or not. We want your help. Sometimes when it looks like you can easily do something, it'll mess with you for the longest time. You get so tricked just looking at things by sight. And you always cry out to the Lord in battle. I, don't, I always invite him to the fight. Well. You know, you see some of these crazy movies. I remember a movie, My Bodyguard. Some little kid was getting pushed around. He made friends with this real big kid. Everywhere he went, nobody pushed him around anymore. That's what we need. And that's what we have in God. Rather you think, whether you think the enemy is small and you don't need to pray much. Or whether you see it overwhelming and you're scared to pray. God is nothing with you to help. Whether it's a bunch of people or it's a little bit of people or people we don't think is that powerful. That's a mistake that this nation made with, with the uh, 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 Islamic threat. Kept putting it off and thinking these people, oh, you know, they're not a developed nation. And they don't have to be developed. They can be persistent with what they got. You can let them get close enough to you. You see what they got. You got me? So you don't want that. So, <clears throat> in verse 9, uh, it says, He came out of the Ethiopian. Asa cried unto the Lord, Lord, it's nothing with you to help. Verse 11, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God. That's your cry, Lord, help me. Help me. It's nothing for you to help. I don't know if this is big trouble or if it's small trouble yet. I haven't examined everything. But I know I need your help. Help us. For we rest on you. And in your name we will go against this multitude. You're serving God. You put him first. Whatever God tells you to do. You you know if you need to exalt his name. Whatever you need to do. You put God first in things. He says we're serving you. And in your name. In the name of Jesus. 
We go against this sickness in the name of Jesus. We go against these foreclosure people in the name of Jesus. We go, Lord, we expect you to help us and get us out of this trouble, Father. He says, let not man prevail against you. He's telling God this is a mere man who's trying to prevail against you. Don't let him do it, God. See, when you're smart enough to figure out they ain't after you, they're after God. When you can see yourself is true. And see, if you're still trying to figure out if you did right or did wrong and who's at fault, you don't you ain't got it yet. Huh? When you see clearly that they're not after you, they're after God. They're trying to stop what God's doing. They're starting to stop the advancement of his kingdom. They're trying to stop you from winning souls and having healing meetings and all that stuff that God wants you to do. They're trying to stop it. Verse 7, at the end it says they built and prospered. You know, if you'll take down all that stuff and get all that stuff out of your life, it will prosper. We haven't seen prosperity like they saw it back in the Old Testament. You know, we have a lot of preachers with stuff, but we haven't seen prosperity. Prosperity means stuff falls on everybody. Everybody that God that names the name of Jesus. You haven't prospered until your congregation is is free of of everybody has a job. You know, everybody's living in the way God wants them to live. You haven't prospered yet. There's been a little bit given to a few people at the top, but when that that whole congregation prospers, that's when you see God's prosperity. So he goes out to confront the enemy, cries to God for help, and he says, uh, it ain't me, they're after God, and I know that. I see that they're after you. They're after what you do for your people. They're after what you can give your people. They want to stop Christians from going forward in this country and really walking in the power of God. Hmm? What the enemy would like would be to put, when when God really pours out more power as he's doing continually in the earth the more power they pour out they want to be able to slap you in jail immediately if you preach on a street corner or if you pray for some people they want to be able to lock you up if you they've done it before don't look crazy they've just done it to our leaders but they'll do it to believers because now they're after the believers So the Lord smote Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah and the Ethiopians fled. Now we're on the right page. See, this is, this is the way the word is supposed to line up. Put the enemy to flight. But if you don't invite God to the battle, if you don't understand there, it's not personal against you, it's against him. And, and humble yourself to him and let him go ahead and fight the battle, his battle, his way. You just do what you're told to do. Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar. Uh, because this is where the money comes in. It doesn't come in manipulating God's people out of so many dollars for a word from him. It comes from you fighting the enemy. And when the enemy leaves spoil, you're there to receive it. <clears throat> you got me? 
you can't be in it for the money did Asa say anything about God let's kill these people so we did, is this the wealth transfer God <laughs> thou shalt not covet what belongs to your neighbor not looking for your your sinner neighbor to go bankrupt so you can have his house better be trying to pray they hold on to it because you'll be the next one if, if they coming through the hood you might be number two getting it pray for people to do well pray for them to hold on to what they have pray for them to be blessed pray for them to be helped pray for them not to be set out on the streets God can make stuff for his kids you don't have to take stuff from them but in that day and age if all those people are dead and there's nobody to take that stuff I'd be taking it too you understand what I'm saying and they leave a city you're allowed to have those spoils so they smote the cities round about Gerar for the fear of the Lord the Bible says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for us we don't have to take it it's laid up for us and they spoiled all the cities for there was exceeding much spoil in them that's why the Ethiopians were coming against them they wanted to take what they had what the enemy tries to take from you God will wind up giving you their stuff you got me just cry out to him and invite him to the battle get off of the stuff about it I I don't know why it's happened to me why not you it says in the Bible you're going to have your share like everybody else does you can't confess your way out of your share of trouble you can't face your way you can't give your way you can't duck your way out of it you can't avoid it it's unavoidable they smote the tents also of cattle carried away sheep camels in abundance and then returned to Jerusalem so they went and got that stuff and came on back home Jerusalem is what it's the city of peace where you worship God so they their feasting involved high worship of God whenever they would uh, kill animals for consumption that was an offering to the Lord so they would offer the first of that to God and so God was always the main uh, celebrant at all of their holy days and celebrations we leave him out so much and miss out on so much because we don't follow the rules of God when you have people over at Thanksgiving and I know some of you will some of you don't want to but you will anyway (laughs) or they invite you over let God be the center of everything you know you don't just let people just dive in I don't care how much they want to cuss and carry on tell them no cussing in here you know they you have rules in your house you know you everybody knows the behavior it's easy for me because I'm a preacher I tell them come at your own risk <laughs> I dare you to cut up in here you understand what I'm saying Sometimes you just lay down a lot of people who are lawless basically but you don't let them come over and just do anything there's rules here we respect God in this house there's peace in this house you don't confront your you know kids when they get in these get grown and get in these they want to tell the parents off all of a sudden you don't don't put up with that nonsense disrespect always you know want to do something to make your life miserable no if you're going to do that stay home huh? I will put you out in the cold I've done it I don't do it often but if I have to I will 
Oh, you don't come in here. You don't mock God in my house. You call yourself a Christian. What kind of Christian are you? Oh, you go outside. Auntie, auntie, nothing. You better come proper. You ain't coming at all. You got me? I'm not hard up for trouble. I got Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I mean for company. I got Father, Son, Holy Ghost to keep me company. I don't need to kowtow to people. But you know I'll treat you very nice when you come in. <laughs> you got to behave. <laughs> we don't let the house go to hell just because you have have heathens in there. You can have behaving heathens. And then when they get older, you know my aunt, we would go to her house and she always made us pray. She didn't let us she didn't let us drink, she let us smoke she didn't let us act up in her house they'll find God that way amen father we thank you for your word for understanding for everything that you do for us Lord we are so eternally grateful we bless you we praise you we honor you we love you you're so good to us Lord so good to us father I thank you that this is a week of thanksgiving for all of us let us begin every day by giving thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For daily you load us with benefits, Father, even the God of our salvation. So we thank you, Lord, for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come